everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. My name's Jesse Jones, and guess what, everybody? It's Irish Whiskey Day. That's right. Happy St. Paddy's Day to everybody out there, and we are going to celebrate today with Gerard Patrick Garland from Method and Madness Irish Whiskey. And what are we going to do? He sent me four delicious bottles of Irish Whiskey. We're going to talk through every one of them, then we're going to drink them. That's right. It was an absolute pleasure having Gerard on the show. Him and I hit it off immediately. We're talking Irish whiskey. We're talking bourbon. We're talking finishing casks. We're talking all of those good things rolled into one delightful Irish whiskey episode. I want to thank Gerard for coming on the show. Method and Madness is a brand that I had heard about. I'd been wanting to try. You would know them if you drink Jameson, if you drink Redbreast, if you drink Teeling. These guys are from the same company as those great brands and we were able to sit down talk some whiskey get to know one another learn a little bit about how gerard got into the whiskey game how this company came to be and this is one of those beautiful things guys this is one of those companies where they had some good whiskey they didn't think it was going to fit into the any of the other portfolios they had so they leaned into that and they have come out with a beautiful product this method and madness it is you're gonna hear it you're gonna hear it this is one of those episodes where you can tell I'm getting excited about what I'm drinking. We're talking about it. We're drinking it. As you find something that you've never had before, I don't know about anyone else, but I know me. And when I have something that I've either never nosed before or never tasted before, I get excited. So you're going to hear that in this episode as we are going through four delicious bottles and each one of them brought something different to the table. And, and you can tell, you can tell when you listen to this that I am just completely enamored. And I don't mean that in a, hey, everybody, go get yourself a bottle of this. No, I mean that in the way that true whiskey people get happy when they taste something they've never had before. So this is a very genuine episode, and I was uh, very happy to have Gerard on the show, especially because I got to go somewhere I'd never been before and taste some things that I'd not had previously. So thank you again, Gerard, for coming on the show. I think you guys are really going to like this episode. And let's get it started, shall we? Irish Whiskey Day is upon us. I ask that you please go hit like and subscribe on all of the things on Instagram, on YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, any of the places you get your podcast, and we're going to get it rolling right now. You can come see me. I keep saying that I'm teasing it. I'm teasing it. You can get, We're going to get it started right now. Here's some more stuff about me. I'm in Myrtle Beach all this week. I am in Charleston next week. I'm back in Kentucky next week. You can find all of the comedy and whiskey dates by either going to Jesse Jones online or by going to bourbonshowdown.com. All of those places will get you all of the things as they relate to me, and and now, no more teasers. We're going straight to Irish Whiskey Day. It's Gerard Patrick Garland from Method and Madness. It's the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. My name's Jesse Jones. Let's start the show. Irish Whiskey Day, everybody. I'm very, very happy about today. We're going to be talking Irish whiskey. I've got Gerard Patrick Garland on with me. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, Jesse. How are you doing? It's great to be here today uh, on such a special day in everyone's calendar. Irish Whiskey Day. <laughs> yes, Irish Whiskey Day. Uh, very happy to have you on. We are going to be talking about the goodness 
that is the method and madness Irish whiskey. I, I I love what you're doing here. You've got a lot of things going into this bottle. I'm happy to drink it with you, unpack a little bit of it. Uh, let's start off. If you wouldn't mind, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about the brand. Uh, walk me through what brought you from, from where you were to Irish whiskey. So... My name, as you said, is Gerard, and I work for a company called Irish Distillers. And we've been making whiskey in some shape or form or, or another for over 240 years. So it's extraordinary. So 1779. So we're we're not as old as the United States, but we're you know we're a couple couple of years uh, younger. And we've been continuously making whiskey in some shape and form or other for for that period of time. And uh, I'm not that old, obviously, but I've been 22 years working for this company. Um, and I uh, we, we make brands like Jemison and Redbreast and Middleton Whiskey and Powers Irish Whiskey, as well as Napogue and other other whiskies. But I'm really excited today to tell you about one our newest brand, which is Method of Madness Irish Whiskey. And you just named every good brand that people know when they think Irish whiskey. Uh, I I mean, you know, the quality is going to be the quality of this whiskey is going to be great. Oh, completely. And I I, I remember Jameson has been one of my go to's as long as I can remember. Uh, Like, I think when you first start drinking whiskey, there is something very appealing to the Irish whiskey uh, flavor profile. It's very inviting. It's got that nice vanilla to it. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, walk me through the difference like a lot of people love bourbon a lot of people love scotch a lot of people love irish whiskey if you wouldn't mind just let's let's walk people through the difference between what they get when they get irish whiskey in the glass so the number one thing to say is that like in our part of the world um you know you might know but irish irish whiskey is the original whiskey so we can trace it right back to 1324 to a book called the red book of ossery in county kilkenny so Coming up next year on that anniversary, which is really, really special. And it's almost 100 years before our friends in Scotland and uh, that guy, that monk or uh, that guy, John Corr, uh, has that tax return, essentially, um, (laughs) about his sheaves of barley. So, um, you know, Irish whiskey, we gave it its name as well. Like whiskey is is an anglicization of the word for Irish, which is for water, which is ishka. And like it just became anglicized to isky and then eventually whiskey. So that's that's where the word whiskey comes from. But when people from Ireland, Scotland, from Germany, you know, they settled in the United States, they had excess grain and just happened to be corn and they made whiskey out of it. And then in Ireland, the reason we mainly use barley is simply barley is the cereal that grows really well in our damp temperate climate it never gets really cold here it never gets really hot here either and we get a lot of rain from the atlantic ocean so it means that barley being a grass grows really well and the same with our cousins in scotland and so look a distillery is just a reflection of the people and the countryside around it i have an irish accent you have a a, an accent from the united states Uh, (laughs) scottish cousins have a scottish accent but we're all essentially trying to make a distilled spirit but we put our own accent on it, you know. We put our own, our own uh, stamp of our uniqueness on it. And I suppose in Ireland, uh, there are many things that make it unique. But it's uh, the people and the countryside that that make it really unique. 
And that's perfectly put. I think when you go back and trace the history of every spirit someone likes, uh, specifically when you get to the whiskeys, uh, it is a necessity spirit it is one of those things where wherever you came from you brought your traditional uh uh, your traditions of distilling with you and then it's whatever crop you had Uh, i think people are used to thinking about it in terms of modern age where everything was already figured out like it came from uh, uh, you have an excess of a certain grain. Sometimes you've been growing it. Sometimes you've made it for, it wasn't made for whiskey production. It was like you nope. grew it, you harvested it. You didn't want it to go bad. You had to figure out something to do with it. It is a spirit of uh, necessity and, and not wasting anything. So necessity is the mother of invention, as they That's say. Right. And it, when whiskey was being first distilled in these monasteries around Ireland, and look, they were the centres of industry. That's why they had the technology, the education. They brought the technology through from Europe, from probably the Moors in the site of what we call Spain today, and those Alambecs. And you know, there was a book in the sixth century called the Art of Distillation. They probably bought that, brought that book back to Ireland, and. Coming up through France, they would have made eau de vie, which means the water of life from excess grape production. They would have made excess wine. And when they came to Ireland, you can't grow grapes in Ireland. <laughs> we don't have <laughs> enough sunshine. So it's it's it means that they had an excess of alcohol. They probably made a kind of Saison beer that wasn't probably very like pure like beer is now today. So it would have, you know, gone off. It just wouldn't be good to drink after maybe a week in the summer or in the winter and maybe a day or two in the summer. So what they did is when they produced excess amounts of it, they distilled it. And then they said, where are we going to store it? Well, we don't have a big history of pottery in Ireland. So they used to make all of the vessels for storage out of wood because it was plentiful. And they said, hey, we'd stick it in like a wooden barrel. And they t- said, hey, it tastes better in the wooden barrel. So again, I think it all happened by accident. I don't think someone went out one morning and said, I'm going to make the best, you know, distilled spirit yeah, in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. I think it just it just literally happened over a period of time in a positive <laughs> Excellent. I freaking love that because it is. It's like, uh, okay, we've taken what we have. We've made beer. Ah, I don't know about this beer. What can we do? We're not going to dump it out. Let's do something with it. Well, what yeah. if we boil? Like, well, let's let's boil it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let, let's all of the things just sort of like a process of elimination to how to get to something for the first time. Uh, it, it's so interesting to me how we have gotten to where we are, and. And here we have it now, all these years later, we've got delicious spirits that have been damn near perfected in terms of how they are produced and how they are distributed. So what brought you, what brought you to it? What brought you to the dance? Oh, so what brought me to it was, so what brought me to working here was I was in sales from the mid nineties and I worked selling packaging and telecoms and all sorts of, you know, Oh, things that, to be honest, I really hated. <laughs> so, so I really disliked it. And one day I went out for a walk with my father and he said, hey, you know, you got to, you know, if you, you're not happy with what you're doing, you got to find something where you wake up every morning and say, I love getting up and do talking about this or I love going out selling this. So he said, what do you, what are you interested in? I said, I'm interested in the drink industry. And uh, um, I was going to say uh, drinking, but that's not, not, not really the, the, uh, the thing that motivated me was just, it's just like alcohol brands are like fascinating, just great stories, amazing advertising. Um, you know, they're associated with having a good time and, you know, sharing a moment with friends and family and all that sort of stuff. So I, I opened up 
um, for our um, older listeners, uh, you know, we remember like, remember the yellow pages? So you open <laughs> right, up the right. yellow pages and I picked out the drink industry and I applied to all the companies there. And, um, you know, uh, one replied and I'm still working for them. <laughs> so so well, that was it. But there's but no happened, better. But that's the best story. Like so many people in the spirits industry were just unhappy with what they were doing and they they searched and they figured out what would make them happy and it is distilling it is selling it is it is being an ambassador for any which way you can be a part of the industry i mean I, i've not met anyone yet that doesn't have a damn good time at work oh it's it is the best industry to work in you make amazing friends and um, you know get, travel the world uh, you know it is really just a wonderful place to uh, to work and um I can't I can't fault it. I'd highly recommend r- recommend working in, in this industry. I think it's dynamic, it's 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 fun. And like I in Ireland our economy, about twenty-four percent of our economy is either directly or indirectly um associated around hospitality and drinks manufacturing. They reckon really like it's yeah, so it's a huge part of our, our economy in Ireland. So um we call it the crack economy. So, you know, the Irish word for fun is crack. So we call it the crack economy, but it's it's a really big, it's serious, it's serious business as well. And um, so yeah. it's the, the whiskey business is, is, is brilliant. It's booming. And when I started in a company that, you know, we were, I would say we had a couple of whiskeys. We didn't really know, well, I personally didn't know what they were, how they were made, but you know, I got really lucky. I got to meet the people that make the stuff. I got to got to um, work and learn learn how it was made, and then also get my own opportunity to to be trained in Middleton Distillery and learn how to you know really get my hands on on producing these these products. Whereas, you know, that it it just the, being trusted with being able to tell the story of. You know the the craft and the skill that these people have inherited over two centuries from their predecessors is uh, it gives me massive pleasure. And you know what's cool about whiskey? All over the world, whiskey from Kentucky or Tennessee or you know California, it doesn't matter. The cool thing about it is is that is that the people that make it, and um, it's a complicated process as well. So there's interesting people. It's a complicated process, and even if a whiskey brand is really new, it has a story. And yep. that's that's the, that's what makes whiskey so cool as a community around the world. Well, and those stories are always uh, trenched in the same dedication to finding something that makes you happy. Uh, all of those stories, whether they're brand new or whether they're 200 years old, they all started the same way. Somebody had a desire to do something that would be fulfilling to them and hopefully fulfilling to others you know so they're all rooted in that good natured good make you feel good story uh uh, that that permeates through the ages and that sort of you know you get it when you taste it in the glass absolutely like it does transition into into the the whiskey itself i i definitely think there is you know there's a person the personality of the people that produce it and the the process that they all work together uh, to create something uh, wonderful really does transition into you drinking it completely. Um, so I love, I just love the industry in totality. And now with Irish whiskey specifically, if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you touched on it a minute ago with the barley. Would you walk me through uh, the general distillation process for Irish yep. whiskey? 
Absolutely. So Irish whiskey has to be made from a cereal, but it can be any cereal. But as I said, barley is the one that grows most plentifully in Ireland. So that's what we that's what we traditionally would have used. Um, so you you get your cereal, whatever it is, you mill it up into a, a grist, you add hot water to it essentially, you create a um you know a worth of a, you know, rich in fermentable sugars and starches. You add that little yeast to it. It does its job. It starts to grow. And when the mother and daughter cell basically split, you get a tiny little bit of ethanol created, that wonderful alcohol we want to capture. And then what we've got to do is extract that alcohol out of that wash. And we put it into a, in the case of traditional Irish uh, potsdam whiskey, you've malted and unmalted barley uh, that you make your your worth and your your wash out of, and you distill it, um, not once, not twice, but three times. And right. people say that's because of the shamrock, or to be sure, to be sure, to be sure, or some the Scots say it's because we couldn't get it right twice. All that sort of stuff, and they're all they're all fun things. But in reality, the real reason is, is distilling in Ireland was legal, as opposed to. In the early 19th century, it was illegal in Scotland. So it was illegal to produce whiskey in Ireland. And it meant that production was urban based and it was on a big scale. And it meant that you had big distilleries in every town and city in Ireland, from Killarney to Galway to Belfast to Derry to Cork to Dublin, obviously Limerick. They all had big distilleries in them, you know. So and um, they were all in the centre of the, the city. And it meant that you you think of names like Powers. Powers is in the south side of Dublin City, Jemison in the north side side of Centre City, or in Galway, Persis in the middle of the city. So all of these different distilleries. And it meant that the reason for the triple distillation is because the stills were so big, in in order to get up to cask filling strength. They had to distill three times. In Scotland, stills tend to be much smaller because it was illegal. It was, you know, on an island like Isla or up a highlands or down a big valley like this Bay Valley. You know, so they were all, they were away from the taxman. So if they could see the taxman coming, they could hide the stills. Whereas in Ireland, they were bricked in and, you know, they had, you know, probably coal fired at the time, all that sort of stuff. So we, we don't have a tradition of using peat because of, um, you know, we used coal, we used anthracite, a smokeless fuel, and it never came in contact with the barley. Um, so, and then what you do is you age it in wood for a minimum of three years and you bottle it at no less than 80 proof. So it has to be above 80 proof. That's wild. That's Irish whiskey and anything else like that is, is um, you can have any type of grain. You can use any type of wood as well, which is amazing about Irish whiskey. That's right. You guys are not held to the limitation of a, a new oak barrel. That's exactly right, Jesse. And the thing is, is in the Irish whiskey law, which is called the technical file, uh, basically it is the file that governs the production of Irish whiskey. And it states that you must use a wooden barrel of no less that are less than 700 litres uh, made from wood, made from wood, such as oak. And it's very clear, such as oak, um, indicating, you know, it has to come from a tree, basically. Right. Um, but really, outside of that, you could use anything. You could use, uh, you know, chestnut or mulberry or, you know, acacia, you know, loads of different different things. But the reality is, is that thanks to the, the laws that govern the production of bourbon and Tennessee whiskey, you have to use a, a, a new 
white American oak barrel. And rightly or wrongly, that that is the law and probably will stay the law for a long time. Uh, it means you in the US had a lot of empty barrels. So the Irish whiskey industry in the 1950s, when we were looking for, yeah, we were like, you want to offload those barrels? Because nobody was drinking Irish whiskey and right. nobody was drinking bourbon and Tennessee whiskey then. Unfortunately. And that's all changed. We know that. But it meant that the Irish whiskey producers went over to New York, New York in the 1950s and signed a deal to basically buy all of those empty uh, barrels, which had no use in Tennessee and Kentucky. And that's where we get them from today. So we get still buy about 150,000 um, ex-American whiskey barrels every year. Which goes back to that principle of don't waste anything. If it can be reused, use it. Absolutely. Like, you know, oak trees are a finite resource. You know, you know, the distiller doesn't waste anything. He, when he makes his cuts the day before, he recycles them back into the next day's distillation. That's that right. gives you consistency, but you don't waste any of that pr precious alcohol. So the grain doesn't go to waste. The water doesn't go to waste. I mean, it's, it is a very efficient process now um, and uh, it, very conscious of the raw materials that go into the production of, of whiskey today. Well, plus every step of the process costs a lot of money. Like not one part of the process is cheap. So reusing or, or not wasting is also uh, integral to the bottom line because it's hard enough to get it out there and make a profit. You don't want to waste anything on top of it. You're you're absolutely spot on, and like in a world in a world where everything's getting more expensive, those efficiencies become more, more and more important. So they really do strive to, and I, that's I think that's one of the unique things about Irish whiskey is that, you know, we have the tradition, but we have a tradition of innovation, and um, so using new technologies to make an age-old process more efficient. So we're not afraid of using, um, you know, recycling heat, or um, you know. You, using efficient filtration methods uh, with our our work to extract the maximum amount of uh, fermentable sugars out of uh, grains. You know, so we use really, we look around the, the drinks world, not just whiskey, and we say, is there something someone else is doing that we can adapt to our production right. that won't affect the flavor or change what we're producing? but make it much more efficient uh, to produce. So that's always been there in Irish whiskey. And if I go back to our master distiller emeritus, a guy called Barry Crockett, and yes, he claims that he is related to Davy Crockett. So he's told <laughs> me, uh, this, this Senator Davy Crockett, who died at the Alamo. Uh, yep. Alamo. So so he claims, he claims he's related to him. Uh, and uh, Barry is our master distiller emeritus. So he is uh, a guy who was literally born in the distillery and his father was master distiller. And he, he definitely... Um, he would have trained in the Paris Distillery in Dublin uh, under a guy called Clement Ryan, a direct descendant of James Perry, the founder of Paris Distillery. And Paris was like a really modern distillery compared to the rest of the distilleries in Ireland in the 1970s. And uh, I'd say Middleton is most modelled on that, that a really modern distillery. So you have this combination of um, of tradition and, you know, really an age-old technology and then adapting new technology into that and blending it almost. So you've got a new guy bringing in fresh ideas and, you know, the old master passing on all the knowledge to him. And I think 
that's uh, that's both. very much where method of madness comes from for sure and you need both of those things you need tradition plus innovation i think that the irish whiskey category has been very smart not to limit themselves to what is possible like the way you have the laws written where you can use any wood you're not held to a certain standard when it comes to what the way you do it uh the bourbon industry, I think we are just now getting past some of those uh, traditional stigmas that I think a lot yeah. of consumers and a lot of people, you know, good mature bourbon. That's what has always been the way with bourbon. And this recent boom that we've been in, I think you've seen that innovation prove that not only will it create fine spirits, it also creates another avenue for the consumer to enjoy those spirits like Think concepts that are not foreign to you, like secondary barrels and Absolutely. all of those uh, different forms of of, of finishing. Uh, they, they were taboo in the bourbon market for so long. And now people are starting to enjoy them and they see that it's not taboo. It's delicious. And then you get to move forward as an industry where you guys set yourself up properly from the start where you can kind of go and have the ability to make those pivots and innovate and move the brand forward, move the product forward. And what you're coming up with, you don't have anybody fighting you on it because they're used to that. That methodology has been built into the process from the beginning. And absolutely, Jesse, but it's because we made the mistake before of going strictly pure down. We make the best whiskey in the world, and uh, we're not going to change. We're going to keep doing the same thing for 100 years and not realizing the world had changed. Consumers had changed. And it was, you know, maybe in 1860, that was the thing to do. But by 1960, we were unfortunately suffering from um, I, I, just a lack of diversity within the category. And it meant that yep. people like consumers had just unfortunately moved on and and now i think we're determined as you said we're set up to make sure we don't make that mistake again that we're we're yeah we're producing the traditional stuff that we all know and love and you know what that's the stuff that's growing like a rocket it is just and in states all over all over the us it's just going like growing like crazy but then again we're able to innovate and maybe let's try and see can we make the next big thing and that's what we weren't able to do before because we were a little bit kind of, you know, we'd tunnel vision. Tunneled up. Yep. We were making great stuff. And yeah, and stuff like Prohibition happened, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you had, you know, two world wars. Yep. You know, yep. That, you know, and let's be honest, Ireland was an economic basket case for uh, the guts of 100 years. So <laughs> it meant there was a lack of investment in innovation. And, you know, you know, it just meant the money. It was old money and people just kept the old money instead of reinvesting back in our businesses. And right. I think we're, God, we're spending a quarter quarter of a billion euro, or which is pretty much the same as a quarter of a billion dollars building a brand new distillery in the next two years, right oh, beside wow. our other distillery. So we're, we're, yeah, we're reinvesting back in and we're, we're, you know, we've nearly two million barrels of whiskey in, in the distillery in Middleton. So, and um, it's, wow, it's a lot of, a lot of whiskey. Yeah, that, that sounds delicious. Uh, you were speaking about those. <laughs> we'll never drink it, the two of us. We'll never be. <laughs> we, we can try, though. <laughs> Trying is the best part. That's the most fun. I agree. <laughs> uh, you were talking about the, 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 the hard times. I think those years 
uh, are what has made the whiskey community so tight knit. I, I, I think that's why everyone sort of looks after one another because they went through those times together. Uh, bourbon had the same thing. It, yep. There was a period of time when we were, it was almost gone. Like it was going under like, Everybody Absolutely. was like you just said. It felt like they had been passed by the new generation. They wanted clear spirits. They didn't necessarily they they associated uh, uh, the whiskeys with like the older generation. So now that we're back in a boom, I think you see the cons- you see the dist- you see the industry like remembering those hard times, and that's why it's so inclusive. That's why it's so they take care of one another. Uh, yeah versus other industries where it might be a little more cutthroat it's because they remember those hard times absolutely and think of people like booker no or you know in bourbon world like why did they keep distilling and making whiskey when people were saying no there's no one to drink this you know they they kept going and you know barry crockett was the same and his father max crockett they were laying down um laying down pots of irish whiskey when people were going you know, our traditional quintessential style. I'm like, no one wants this stuff. You know, they want blended whiskey. They want, you know, why, what's the point in put, laying it down? And it's because they knew that it would come around again because right. they had that inbuilt kind of knowledge or I don't know what it is. It's like, um, it's almost like a, it, it transcends like generational kind of memory that they're able to have the foresight to put down, lay down this whiskey when... Other people are saying, probably accountants. No offense to accountants, they're on everything. No, you're absolutely why are you, right. Why are you spending all this money? Because they they saw the potential, and thank goodness they they did that. You know, because otherwise we would be drinking, I don't know, vodka, vodka maybe, I or guess. something else. <laughs> yeah, we'd all be letting whatever um, whatever flavors the drink drive it versus the spirit in the glass. You know. Yeah, that's it. And- and you guys, Irish whiskey is experiencing the same boom that bourbon is right now, uh, where there's just everybody on the shelf, everybody sharing space, everybody innovating, creating new things. Uh, you were telling me before we got started that it has gone from how, how many distilleries do you guys have in, in Ireland so, right now? So I started in uh, 2001 in, in Irish distillers, and there was a uh, three essentially three distilleries on the island of ireland and two of them were owned by the company i work for work for and it is there is now 48 distilleries on the island of ireland wow. and that's it's incredible explosion um and you know and there's many more in planning and there's many more whiskey brands that don't necessarily have distilleries but but have brands as well so it is it's just absolutely fantastic um to see this vibrant industry and you know, Jesse, you again, you were saying before we, we started the call um, you were saying that, you know, the variety that's there for consumers today, you know, for whiskey drinkers. And at the end of the day, I'm a fan. and That's why I got into this. I'm a I'm hugely interested in in whiskey and uh, I, you know, collect whiskey. I drink whiskey. You know, I, I just love it. I When I go to cities um, you know, Always. whether it's New York. New York. I'm looking for that whiskey bar. I'm looking yep. for that liquor store that kind of has bits a bit special speciality, local distilleries, all that sort of stuff. And that's that's why Ireland now is kind of super interesting. You can fly into Dublin or Shannon. You could literally do a ring around Ireland and back through the center, 
and you could visit a distillery every 50 miles. No problem. That's awesome. That it's is awesome. Just fantastic. Yeah. Well, and that kind of brings us to why we're here. You have Method and Madness. What was the brainchild? Like, how did Method and Madness come to be? Like, what was the concept behind this whiskey? Well, I, I talked to you about all those established brands. Well, they're established now, but I suppose they were 20 years ago. They were they were older brands that we had that weren't um, as, um, you know, they didn't have as many different whiskeys in them. But what happened was that over time, as each of the brands were growing, we introduced new uh, products. So you think of something like Redbreast. We went from one, one product, which is Redbreast 12, Right. And you had Redbreast 15, Redbreast 21, you know, Redbreast Lustale, Redbreast 12 cast strength, Redbreast 21. And that's really only all since 2010. So and that's so good, by the way. So freaking good. Oh, it's, it's amazing. But then that's all, you know, kind of the influence of let's, let's, it's European oak. So it, there's definitely a base of bourbon used across the range, but it's the kind of influence from that fortified wine, usually Oloroso sherry. Um, across the range that gives it that unique character but then when you put something into a, a limousine french oak barrel or into a virgin spanish oak barrel or a chestnut barrel they don't fit in any of the ranges they don't fit in powers they don't fit in jemison and um, they they look unusual in the red breast range they don't fit in middleton very rare definitely which is really all american oak so what do you do with them well we didn't have any uh a home for them and we knew they were weak. So the idea was to create a range, uh, a brand new range of whiskey that launched in 2016 uh, to hold all of this innovation. So we built, um, it, it, between 2015 and 2016, we built this beautiful micro distillery here behind me. So while we were waiting for the spirit that we were producing there from about April 2016 to be ready, uh, to, to say hello to the world, you know, to age more than three years. But, you know, whiskey takes a little bit more time usually. And we 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 had all of this, I suppose, wood innovation that we wanted to showcase as well. So the Method of Madness range was born to highlight essentially the quality, the heritage, the, the skill that's been developed over two centuries of working with spirit and wood and how they interact and then also showcasing all that innovation that you knew unique like out there stuff that isn't yeah. doesn't fit in other other yeah. things but here it's in a bottle now and we can all enjoy it and it's it's a great range from an innovative like it doesn't look like irish whiskey i think you you held up the bottle there and it's you know you look at it and it is like almost six-sided bottle with a marbling on the label but i can tell you all those colors on that label are familiar to me from the old middleton distillery so emily design so michael and emily uh, a husband and wife co couple uh, from michael's from ireland and emily's from sweden and they live in sweden and they literally designed the bottle the lettering uh, the marbling and they went around taking pictures all around the distillery so even if you look at the chestnut that reminds me of the door on one of the old um, storehouses and where all the, the paint is flaked away and that's all the different colours of paint that are on the door. And, oh, that's and awesome. then as you see on one side of the bottle, you've got like straight lines indicating the, the method or all that essentially heritage and, you know, passed on technology, uh, you know, the process 
and then the wavy lines on the other side of the bottle showing you uh, the kind of the new the new way the innovation all the new distillers that come in the master the apprentice it's all of those kind of cliches and the name it. itself actually comes from a quote from Shakespeare uh, oh, really? called yeah yeah indeed yeah it's in my in my madness there be method which basically means you might think I'm a little crazy but I'm actually trying to get somewhere good so that's the idea behind it so it's it's a that's where the pretty inspiration came from but it's it's fresh and it's new and it's it's delicious which is the most important thing I love it I don't need to invite you but you want to taste will we taste some yes I definitely I want to get into one of these glasses so you have sent me four bottles where would you like me to start like is there any particular order we need to go Yes, I think we start with the Limousin Oak because it's the most delicate, um, it, which is the fr- uh, single malt, the blue, uh, sorry, the green uh, green label, green and copper, single malt. Which I so, love the yeah, contemporary the nature of the, of the marketing. Like I love the branding for this. I especially love it that there's a story behind it. Like it's not just that it looks good. There's actually ha method to the madness, as you just said. Uh, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, listen, it's just a beautiful, it is really, it's lovely to hold as well. It's very tactile. And, you know, when they were designing the bottle, they made the bottle out of clay. They soon realized that the neck needed to be longer because it just didn't feel right in the hand. You know, so they literally, it was literally designed by hand. Like it's carved out of clay. It's nuts. So this whiskey is a 14 year old um, single malt whiskey. And that has been aged second fill bourbon. So it means that it was used to make um, Kentucky bourbon or Tennessee whiskey for um, once. And then basically the barrel was brought to Middleton Distillery with distillery integrity. So we literally bring them whole to, to Ireland and then we drill a hole in the top and we filled it full of the guts of 200 litres of, of single 14 euro or sorry, of new make malt whiskey. And then we aged it for 14 years. And then about 70% of the whiskey then was transferred into French oak barrels from the Limousin Forest, which is in the middle of France. And it's a it's a type of wood used in a cognac industry to wake up sleeping cognac because it adds loads of fruit. It's like loads of green apple, isn't it? Loads of... Oh my God. Like you, yes. Candy green apple. Candy green apple and pear... And, and oh, pear all day long. Pear was the first thing I got, and it's just so clean. I can't get over how pronounced the the the, the nose is. Like it's a and very clean nose. The 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 aromatics that you're getting off of it are just crisp pear, crisp green apple. It's 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 not like you know how sometimes the nose you can get like maybe a cooked or 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 something yep. of that. This is completely just just cut green apple. It is. And, and the reason it's a contribution in Limousin and oh. to give it that kind of, as you were saying, that clean fruit nature to it, that orchard fruit nature is because when our head blender, Billy Lighton, put 100 percent of this into a, a mix, uh, he found that it was overly sweet and that you couldn't get that fresh nature, which you just described, Jesse. So that's why it's a contribution as opposed to a finish. So 70 percent of the whiskey was um, finished essentially in a for about a year in a limousine oak barrel so that's and then 
blend it back together with 30% that wasn't. So you get that fresh nature. You also get fresh vanilla, like vanilla pods as opposed oh, yeah. to yeah. like, you know, I don't know what you call it, vanilla, artificial vanilla, which probably isn't fair, but you know what I mean? Unless kind of, it yep. really does smell like, if you've ever smelled a fresh vanilla pod, it's that really fresh down to it. Uh, a little bit I, of white pepper as well. I always equate it to like the difference between a uh, vanilla bean and vanilla paste. Like there's two very yeah. distinct, uh, different, there's two different uh, noses to both. Uh, and, and, Good Lord. I, I, I love the versatility. I think the the last thing you said is what shows the craftsmanship that goes into these things. They knew they knew that 100 percent of it was going to be too sweet. So they figured out how to make that 30 70 split so that it was balanced and not overpowering. I mean, that is the that's just a mastery of craft right there. But that's that's the knowledge the experience has been passed on through just working with wood for so such a long period of time and then been able to as you said figure out how it would work out best rather than just going hey oh we made it let's just release it out there they right. wanted to make sure and that's the method i suppose but the madness is putting it into a type of wooden barrel that's used by the cognac industry and um, love it and again relationships that are built up over like 40, 50 years of dealing with Segon Moreau, who are the barrel makers. They actually have a cooperage in Louisville, I, I think, or somewhere in Kentucky. Um, I think it's Louisville, right outside are, Louisville. Right beside Louisville. And they uh, they know what they're doing. Like They make barrels all over the world, nearly South America, North America, Europe. They make them everywhere, so they know what they're doing. That is freaking awesome. Well, the nose is fantastic. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for coming yes. on the show. I'm diving in. Pleasure, Yeah, again, it's it's wonderfully delicate and light, but flavoursome, sweet. Um, you know, it's it's got a lovely kind of mouthfeel, but definitely the contribution from the the French oak and the American oak really complement each other, and you just get this lovely soft spiciness that goes on and on it there's massive length in it uh, as well as just delicious delicate kind of candy flavor as well coming through it's so it's so freaking i'm i'm just waiting for it to finish it's still it's still going and and the reason i suggested trying this for, first is because it is the most delicate and elegant of the whiskies that we're going to try it's not like it's not i think the rest of them are really saying to you well then the next two that are in the core range are really saying to you hey i'm really different and you know here's my stamp and i'm this one is is quite complex comes with age and it has finesse uh you know the age of it is quite you know it's relatively quite old and i think for the price of it it's it's a brilliant price, you know, so it's up around the, I think it's around $95, I think a bottle, something along those lines. But I think it's great value for what it is. There's so much going on in this glass. Like, like every, I just, I, I love that ascension from sip one to sip two, where sip one, you're getting that, you're getting that sweet. You're getting some of those floral notes off of it. You're getting that yeah. beautiful candy uh, 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 sweetness 
from it. And then the second sip, you really, the volume of flavor hits you and it just sort of starts opening up and the mouthfeel just goes out of this world. It's, it's funny. You don't expect it from a malt whiskey, you know, and you know, just to explain to people that, you know, traditionally we haven't used uh, peat uh, as a fuel in Ireland. So you don't get many peated whiskies uh, traditionally in Ireland. So our malt whiskey tends to have a much, doesn't tend to have any peat influence in it at all. Now, they're definitely, in the future, there may be more peated whiskies from Ireland, but certainly in this case, you find it, it really is all about those fruit, that, you know, again, those orchard fruits and um, that lovely little hint of white pepper. Um, oh. You know, there's there's loads of candy. It's it's candy vanilla, you know, sort of type note to it. It's really elegant and delicate and long. It's very delicate. It's very long. I definitely get those candied sugars that candied uh, crystallized, like that crystallized sugar candy yeah. out of it. It is. Wow, man. If this is where we're starting, like this is like a KO right here. Like this should, I mean, good Lord. But this is an, this is an exploration of the whole of Irish whiskey. So you've got the three main styles of, of Irish whiskey that are made here, uh, which are uh, single malt, single pot still, single grain. And look, single means it comes from one distillery. That's all it means. Right. One right. distillery distilled, one distillery matured. And traditionally in Ireland, whiskey distilleries used to release their own whiskey. We, Unlike Scotland, where people, um, which, you know, like the Walkers or the Chivas Brothers, who would buy whiskey from the, the local area and then make their own blend of whiskey. Right. In, in Ireland, it tended to be the distillery would release it under their own label or would have supplied... Um, you know, would have supplied it to someone and they would have made reference to the distillery. So we tended not to mix uh, distilleries, whiskies together in Ireland, but we do make the three main styles would have been malt, single pot still and grain and then blended whiskey, which Jemison is a blend of, of right, pot of still and grain. So, man, uh, the more you drink it, the better the like, like that green apple comes out right here like it comes out right at the base the left and right side of your tongue like right there at that wonderful spot where like it's just uh fresh it, it just hits you so perfectly around like sip four sip uh sip five it just starts coming out it is phenomenal like this is this is extremely good gerard like i mean this is wow oh thank you <laughs> thank you very much and oh. the um, it's amazing how it retains this freshness, isn't it? Each made full, made full. Well, that's the thing; it's able to retain that sweetness without being overbearing. Like I, I honestly, around sip three or four, I started waiting for it to be like you were saying. Like I could see if you had gone a hundred percent, that it could have almost coated the tongue with too much of that sugar. But yes. the yep. way you guys have split it, it never takes over your palate like it never coats it just sort of glides it wow and non-chill filtered natural color all those good things that people love as well so there's no chill filtration and so you're getting the full impact of i suppose the whiskey and it's 92 proof as well but it doesn't Beautiful. drink like 92 proof it's hard yes. to believe 
Well, I love that, though, because you're packing a bunch of flavor into something that you're not going to feel bad if you have three of them. <laughs> That's the way. Always drink responsibly, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, every time I think Jameson for I've, I've lived everywhere. But when people would come over and they were not uh, uh People are scared of what they don't know. You know what I mean? Like if you're yeah, not an yeah, uh, avid whiskey drinker, uh, people are a little hesitant. I always I've never had anybody had drink Irish whiskey and then be like, well, I guess we're back to rum. No, Irish whiskey is the perfect <laughs> thing to break into because you're going to get so much flavor. And it's always so much flavor packed into a low proof so that they don't. um overdo it you know what i mean like they can have a few of them and not be destroyed they're just enjoying themselves yeah and i think this this range the method of madness family is a great family to give you an introduction to irish whiskey because you can try all the different you can try all the different flavors um or sorry all the different styles of irish whiskey but also get something really fresh and new that isn't um you know that you won't find anywhere else within the Irish whiskey family and probably not anywhere in the world these were at the time in 2016 these were world firsts we're off to a great start man this is wow i just love how many different flavors have been packed into this thing and and you're already in the sweet spot because it's you know you you know the base you know the base flavor that you're looking for and then all of these other things come to the party and it it, it just complements the hell out of it it's it's, it's a wonderful whiskey well, now i'm excited you. and well you know we've tried one of the core range why don't we try i mentioned that these the core range are the well-established known uh, spirits, you know, Thai styles of whiskey that we're known for, finished in new, innovative types of, of wood or types of barrels. And then we were waiting for the spirit that was produced in these stills here behind me um, to be ready to be released in the world. And we have a limited US exclusive um, that is is um, was distilled around the time the stills were commissioned in April 2016 or thereabouts and that is a mash bill of 60% rye and 40% malted barley and the rye all comes from County Wexford just outside a town called Enniscorty and the reason we commissioned the 200 acres of rye there was uh, essentially uh, because Carol Quinn our archivist found a notebook from John Jamison II and some rye kernels fell out of the book when she opened it up no and way. basically she found a rye mash bill which would have been very similar to a traditional pot style of mash bill but with rye instead of the unmalted barley in the mash bill and we recreated it in these stills here behind me and um they triple distilled it in a similar style as they would a traditional pot still but it's not a pot still because it's rye and malt and then aged it in in a ex-American uh, whiskey barrels and uh, you have that rye malt and it's probably it's a I think it's a unique style of we can't call it it it's Irish whiskey but that's it, it isn't a style that currently exists in the legislation as I said to you once it's made from a cereal which it's made from rye and malt it can be called Irish whiskey but it doesn't fit into pot still malt or grain so that's why it's uh yeah 
That's, that's, I love that's it. I'm I love it. Excited to introduce you. We went method. Now let's go madness. Which bottle am I picking up? It's the uh, the lightest one of color. That's it. You put your hand right on it. That's the one. So Rye and Rye Malt. And malt. And, uh, let me grab it. Grab it here. Well, oh my God, so, Gerard! So it's triple distilled rye. So there was a release in Ireland, but it was double distilled, and they are night and day. And I was watching the Super Bowl with a friend of mine in in Brooklyn, and we were doing a bit of a comparison at halftime, watching Rihanna. And we thought we thought uh, we would uh, compare them. And the US, uh, the US one is so much. I think it's so much flavor. Like it is really really interesting on the nose it's kind of like a if cereal you definitely get that cereal note there a but there's also like a star anise type you know spice to it um, it's so yes you it's you know when you're you know when you make an old-fashioned and you might put the orange and, right. and put it in into, it's that kind of burnt orange type note as well it's like old-fashioned burnt orange note. And you get the rye. That that rye is mingling so well with the malted barley, and it's creating this beautiful, like almost chocolate orange on the nose, oh, like like a like yeah, a I can mal- get that. milkshake orange, like a chocolate milkshake with yeah. with burnt like orange or, or, malt. or yeah. yeah, oh my god, chocolate malt, old school, They're very nice. <laughs> oh. um, it, this is yeah, almost really bringing out like first. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you, you first fill and second fill bourbon. So the barrels that have been used once to make America, make Irish whiskey, and then some barrels that we use the second time. So you get this really great kind of balance between both, um, you know, the wood and the spirit as well. Like, it's not overwhelmed by the wood, but it really complements those flavors. The, There's the kind of whole been a toasted nose. oak there, though. Good Lord. The whole nose. Like, I'm John Travolting over here. All I can think is, oh, my God. Like, like, there's just so much going on in this glass that I'm loving it. Oh, it's I, really, I, it's really different. That's that's the word I'm looking for. Like, it's it's not, it's and different in a good way as opposed to, like, it's very familiar because it's a, I suppose it's a ser- like it's cereal based, but you know you don't normally get pot still distilled rye. You know, it's usually made in a continuous style of distillation. Well, Which it's, is nice it's, too, but this is just much more flavorsome, I think. It's ridiculously hard to do in a pot still, isn't it? Because it's so gummy. Like you're, yes. you're putting more time into it if you're doing it in the pot still. So you guys, I mean. It's, it's sticky, it's dirty, and it's slow. Yeah. And it's slow. Yeah. So, yeah, so slow, you guys, very slow. Money is it, not an object because you guys put some time into this bad boy. Yeah. And again, you know, it. it is a... Um, that's why the traditional style of distillation suits this because it's a longer distillation, you know, and it means that you were able to kind of match up the cereal that was being used at the base here to essentially fit it into a style of style that we were used to distilling. So we were able to uh, take advantage of that slowness um, and apply it to a style that we would Normally, as I said, with a mash bill about 60% unmalted and 40% malted, we would make a traditional style of pot still, which is heavier, oilier, uh, has more body. And we were able to take advantage of that slow, flunky, you know, porridge-like nature of rye. Yeah, just picking up flavor every step of the way. 
These are my favorite kinds of bottles to dive into. Whenever you're in whiskey and you can say you're smelling or tasting something that you've never smelt or tasted before, it always excites me because it's it's easy to fall on the same thing over and over again. But when you get to something new, that's where it just like freaking pops, you know? Yeah, it's again, it's the first time I taste tasted this it's like nothing i've ever tasted but, but it's in it it's familiar because it's whiskey but it's like a new kind of direction that you've never been let's like getting into a new car you've never driven before <laughs> it's like, still like a car the pieces but it's are totally there. different yeah, a thousand yeah. percent well i i'm, I'm in yeah cheers buddy Launcher. Mm. i get that chocolate on the palate you were talking about it's much much more but it kind of honeycomb as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Chocolate, chocolate Extured, and honeycomb mixed together. That's a good honeycomb. combination. Mm-hmm, um, it, it reminds me of one of those Swedish candies that's got the chocolate and the honeycomb all together yeah, to where you're getting like the sweetness because it's the high sweet from the honey but the dark chocolate of, of the sugar. So it's like... I know exactly what you're talking about there. Dime bars are called. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah. right. It's unlike anything you've ever had. There's a bit of salted caramel there as well. Uh, so you got honeycomb, chocolate. Right in the middle. Right in the middle, right? The, you get that salted caramel right like mid, mid palate. That's really nice. And again, because it's so different, it's kind of like, it's exciting. It really is. The, uh, uh, bottles like this are what grows your palate. These are the things where you have to like think. You can't rest on your laurels of what you usually taste. It like pushes the boundaries of what your personal definitions of things can be. And you know, I'm getting just there in the back, a kind of a brioche type note to it. You know, it's got that kind of brioche bun type. Um, you mean in you you mean in bulk or you mean in flavor? Like 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 do you mean in the in the viscosity? Like the, the, I think the in texture? Flavor. I think in flavor. I'm just getting a hint of brioche in the background. Yeah, it's don't mind me if you're not getting it, don't worry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just... look, now I'm looking for it. Now hey, okay. You're talking about the like the 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 doughy like that yeah. doughy flavor of a brioche, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I like found bready, it. I found it. Bready, yeasty uh -huh, type, uh -huh. brioche. Yeah, right there, right there at the back of your mouth, like right there on the very, yeah, like back corner of your tongue, right? Exactly. Just just before you you're diving over, diving over into the wood spiciness. God bless. I've learned when I figure things out, it's best if I look off camera. <laughs> it's just creepy if I'm doing all of that while making direct eye contact with you. I <laughs> I have to go over here for a minute. Yes, we're having a we're having a very intimate experience with the whiskey, all right. But it's it's is that not the, the best part of whiskey though? The it, intimacy it of experiencing something yep. with someone for the first time, it is a beautiful thing. It is what brings us together. You and I are closer now than we were when this conversation started because 100%. we're figuring this thing out together. I, I guarantee it. When we meet in when we meet in person, it'll we'll be just like old, old army buddies. You know, <laughs> army's exactly what I was getting ready to say. Like we've been through the trenches together. Exactly. 
no I'm trying to figure out this part of the world. <laughs> this um, is one of those fun things where like, not only is it good, you immediately, you know, when you find something new and you start pairing it with things like, what could I have with this? Like, this is one of those. I, I, I want it. I know. I want it with a protein. Uh, uh, I definitely see it as a meal drinker. Uh, uh, or I could see it pairing with a with a, 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 a cigar. But I think I want it more with like a protein. I think I want it more with a meal than a cigar. Yeah, yeah I think maybe like you could a nice little bit of, um, you know, beef that's grilled on the barbecue, you know, just a little bit of salt and black pepper on it. Yeah. You know, crunchy, sliced straight off the grill. Nice and seared, like a seared steak to where you get a little bit of that crunch from the. Yeah. Uh huh. uh -huh. Yeah. And it it would just this whiskey, it just cut cut straight through it. Um, And that wood kind of suppose the woody woody nature, the oak would complement it would really just a thousand percent. Nice bit of seasoning on on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it would be that'd be a great shout. Good Lord. You guys have put the freaking work in on this, man. Like, like oh, it's amazing. Like, it, it's it's just the advantage of of uh, having somewhere where you can be so innovative and play around with play around with stuffs. There, like we've a a dedicated fermenter in the fermentation farm. Fermenter ninety two, I don't know. It just happens to be Fermenter ninety two. In case you're looking for it, um, and we have a line running, you know, so we can do all sorts of messing around with brewing, and then you know, bringing into the stills and do different campaigns each week, and you know, lay the stuff down. And this is something that was distilled, you know, in twenty sixteen, and we're enjoying it now today because it was ready. It was ready is a key thing, knowing, yeah. knowing when it's ready to go, not letting it under sit, not letting it over sit. This is one of those like this proves that the people, the company has trust in what they're doing. Like yeah. you don't get to something like this by accident. Like there is a trust and there is a freaking ideology behind what you're trying to accomplish you, this is not an accident this is freaking delicious no absolutely it's it's like um it's it's informed risk so they know what they're doing they know that it's it's they they know Controlled all the chaos. inputs are of the highest quality the people they you know the the people that are just selling it like evo doherty um or before her karen cotter you know all of these you know, and Catherine Condon as well. So all the distillers that worked in the micro distillery and Henry Donnelly, they they would all um they, they all were allowed many of them have moved on to the main main distillery now and they're working on the bigger brands I was talking about. And basically they all cut their teeth making making this uh, all this stuff. So you know Good Lord. You can thank Karen Cotter in twenty sixteen for distilling this. It was on uh, <laughs> it was on her watch that this came came about well that's absolutely insane it's combining so many flavors that you're used to with things you've never had before everyone that listens to this show they can tell when i'm excited i am i am legitimately excited (laughs) about this it is my favorite avenue is something new and that was freaking good it's just to reiterate again it's a u.s exclusive it's 
when it's gone, it's gone. It's it's a it was an experimental uh, whiskey, and they only laid down uh, like you know they only laid down a couple of barrels of this. You know there was only about ten barrels of whiskey that were laid down. So it means, and it's all been shipped to the US. It's been in the US since since uh, the end of January. And uh, so if you see it on the shelf, I'd recommend buying it because it's going to be gone. I would say if people, anybody that likes, anyone that appreciates whiskey, if this is the vintage that they're never going to get again, they need to go get this. They kind of owe it to themselves as a whiskey drinker. I know that sounds a little (laughs) high and mighty. I don't mean it to, but, but like just your palate, uh, you you need I mean, I'm I'm trying not to sound like I'm pushing it too hard because I'm trying to come at it from more of a objective kind objective, of view, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, if you see this, you do need to pick it up just because it's not like anything I've ever had. And it's very rare that you get to say it's not like something I've yeah. ever had and mean that in a positive way. So kudos. Oh, thank you. Thanks a million, Jesse. Appreciate oh, that. Um, Lord. Well, there's there's more in the range. Why don't we try another one? Uh, like, Where we do might we as go? well keep, keep on this train of, I think we go <laughs> to the pot still, which is age in French chestnut barrels, which there is really, go. really interesting. There we go. So, uh, FYI, this is a sick. I've yeah, got a show go in ahead. three hours. So, the show tonight will be fueled by method and madness. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do great. <laughs> break, break a leg. That's, yeah. You know, uh, no, uh, I won't wish it the other, the L word. So break a leg. <laughs> um, uh, it's so the idea behind this one is pot still is what we're known for in Middleton distillery of our thing. And uh, so the idea was to get a pot still that's six year age and then age it in French chestnut barrels. So chestnut is. It's not what we would call in in Ireland or in Britain, uh, which we call horse chestnut, which is a tree that is quite common. This type of tree comes from uh, originally from in the Syria, Turkey, Turkey area of um, of the Mediterranean, and then the Romans brought it to Italy. They brought it to France. They brought it to Spain. You know, so it was brought because it was used for making like you know, plates and bowls and that sort of thing. So it was made for making like vessels you'd eat with, you know, cast castanets, the Spanish castanets come from a, a chestnut tree and all that sort of stuff. So these are called French chestnut because they're grown in France and they're made into barrels by that same company, Segon Moreau in Cognac that made the uh, Limousin barrels as well. So it's really unique. So it is a, a medium toast on the barrel to burn off a lot of that fresh wood kind of compound and also just to open up the wood a little bit. So it's more toasted as opposed to a char because it's quite an open, very open structure. And it was only in the wood for eight and a half months because it interacts so quickly, so quickly with the, with the look at the color of it. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, color yeah. is nuts. Yeah. It? It's, a- it's so dark. So it would have been in first fill bourbon for, you know, that, period of time um, and uh, it it gets all of that colour essentially from the chestnut again non-chill filtered natural colour so that colour is coming from the fudgy tannin of the uh, chestnut and that's what I get on the nose is that kind of milk fudge type note to it milk um, fudge that, okay I was trying to figure out what kind of chocolate I'm getting but you're right it is like that 
Um, and we do have a chocolate here, but it's not like Hershey's at all. So it's it's very milk chocolate. We call it milk right. chocolate, and it's got that kind of that that type of note to it. But I think milk fudge is probably where it might be most familiar to to um, uh, you know people in the US. And it's also got a a lovely kind of heightened sense of sweetness. I don't know what it be, tangy would that be a word to use about yep, it? Yep, yep, yep. Kind of tangy on the nose. Um, well, this yeah, is the very closest sweet. one. This this is the closest nose I have to familiarity. Like I'm getting similar notes that you yes. get off of the bourbon with this nose, and you're also getting yes. an a, a light milk chocolate. Like like, and I guess yes, that fudge, that that kind of airy. I'm not meaning light as in a light smell. I'm meaning light as an airy, like an airy chocolate. Yes, whipped. Yeah, like I'm, a whipped I'm, chocolate. I know what you mean. Like it's light in the mouth. It's not like a hard, heavy mm-hmm. chocolate. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. And the thing about it is, is the sweetness as well. That familiarity you were saying about the bourbon drinker, they know this. They kind of go, oh, that kind of sweetness is my level of sweetness. I know yep. what you're talking yep. about. Um, but then when you taste it, this is where it gets interesting. Let's have a little taste. Let's do it. Sláinte. Do you feel that mouthfeel? Isn't that crazy? Oh my so god! It, hits, it just like it's like it's got such body, but not in a heavy way. But it just coats the whole of your mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very tannic, but flavor tannic. But the, it's soft tannin. It's not like bitter that you get no. from something like a sherry bush. Yep, yep. It's kind of like round and fudgy again on the palate. A little um, creamy. Oh, very creamy in the middle. And that's kind of the unmalted barley manifesting itself, but really complemented by the tannin in the French chestnut as well. And let's just reiterate, these are not, this is not, French chestnut is not an oak barrel. It's a, it's a, like a totally different uh, species of wood. And you wouldn't be able to do this if you were producing single malt scotch or anything like that. This is, this is really the great thing about the openness of the Irish whiskey laws. Um, and we know they're, they were used before. We know that because we just have to look back in our archives and we know that wine barrels, and even today they do make chestnut barrels for the winemaking industry in Bordeaux and other places. So we know in the past that up to the 1950s, in, coming into Ireland, there was wine coming in in these barrels, chestnut barrels, and then being recycled back into the whiskey industry. So all we've done is looked to our past for our innovation in the future, that method of madness thing happening again. And there 92 is... proof, non-chill filtered, natural color, all that good stuff. Good lord. And it tastes delicious. It tastes <laughs> delicious. And it does. It it your brain immediately goes to the bourbon notes that you get from it. They're definitely there. But the 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 star of this show is that mouthfeel. The tannins in this are an anomaly where they are coating, but they're light. There, there's like yeah. a flavor. It, it, it's not taking over. It's sort of sitting and then permeating a flavor. And, and, and that flavor, good Lord. I love your description of a light chocolate, like whipped chocolate, like something you'd find on top of a donut or something or in a donut. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind yep, of, yep, yep, yeah, yep, it's yep, like yep. super cookies and cream, sweet, mm-hmm. you know, really, really easy to, to drink. But it's, it's just so mouth coating. It's mad the way it feels in your mouth. It's like, it's, it's just... Yeah, it's got a lot of body in your mouth, but not in a heavy way. It's really light, but coating. 
it's almost a contradiction because it does it completely takes over but it doesn't scorch the earth like sometimes when it takes over your mouth it can be like like it takes over but this is light and airy yet still a very volumatic mouthfeel good lord yeah, so when you when you go back for a second or third sip, fourth sip, it doesn't coat your mouth. Like it's not like the sugar is like over sweetening. It it literally, yeah, it's got the body, you get the sweetness, but it just seems to transition over the palate and you're just left with, oh, I want to experience that again, as opposed to it building up like layers of you know, when you get something really sweet and it's oh, completely too much. It's like it's like the single malt. It doesn't it never takes over. It never reaches yeah. that realm where now my my tongue's coated and I can't go anywhere else. It kind of pulls back right when it should. Yeah. You were looking at me right there when you were saying that. <laughs> I felt that. I felt that you meant that. So that's that's great. Love that. Good Lord. And then at the end of it, you've got that beautiful familiar, familiarity of Irish whiskey. Like, like the end yep. of every sip, there is that beautiful pop of you might have gone on a little bourbon adventure. You might have gone on a little volumatic adventure. But at the end of it, right there, you get that pop of Irish whiskey and it brings the whole thing freaking together. Absolutely. It's familiar, but you're going off in a different direction, a different journey. It's yeah, it's I think a lot of people a lot of people are really interested by this particular particular whiskey because it is um just I think amplifying all the good stuff that you like in Irish whiskey, but like adding another level to it. I would like, say you know, that. So that's, that's I think that's why it turns people on so much is that that kind of uh, amplification of the of the stuff you like in Irish whiskey. I think that's a very fair assessment. The way it wraps around the way the end of it happens is the magic of this one yeah it's it's brilliant um and again the color is just astonishing considering it's natural like there's no coloring put into put into it it's literally all coming just from the tannin within the french chestnut barrels and there's a beautiful thing when you're done drinking it when you inhale inhale after you take the sip and you get this beautiful nuttiness off of the inhale where you're able to kind of dissect a little bit of that wood from oh yeah that secondary like i, I don't, secondary nose that's not a but you, i think you know what i'm trying to say no like, I, like, I totally understand what you mean it's man. it's like a it's like a it, like almost like hazelnut i was getting ready to, um, yes. Yes, yes 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 yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just literally yeah, thinking like hazelnut Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Uh, 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 people that's, listening at home are not going to believe that you and I didn't rehearse this. No, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the great thing about tasting it uh, at the mm-hmm. same time. You're able to both um, fill in the gaps where maybe you're trying to think of what is that? What, what am I thinking of? And then the other person is able to just go that one step further and maybe give you an indication. And that's just you can cover together. a lot more ground with two people or three people when isn't that what whiskey's all about? Getting a bottle, a thousand saying, percent. Come on, let's let's open it up. Let's pour a couple of glasses and let's see where we go with this. You know, that's that's the great thing about whiskey. Brings people together. And the beauty is when you have somebody that you're drinking with and they they care about it as much as you do. Because yeah. sometimes you can geek out on people and it almost scares them because they're 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 either their internal insecurities come out and they're like, oh no, I don't I don't 
yeah. have the words. I don't know what to say. But when you got somebody, when you and I are doing it and it's like, oh, I get this. Do you get that? I get that. Do you get this? That's when it really clicks. And that's when you can really get to the bottom of what's in a glass. Yeah. And it's exciting. Look, even it's when exciting. someone someone is uh, new to whiskey and they want to get into it, certainly those words come and just make references. To, I'd recommend to anybody, just make references to your own kind of library of memories of tastes and smells and like even when you're when you're um, enjoying your own uh you know your own your lunch or your breakfast just try and think about what flavors am i tasting and yep you you will my god you'll build up a whole library you know repertoire of words that you'll be able to regurgitate out there when you when you enjoy a, a whiskey and that's the best way to do it because you often when you're eating stuff you don't think about what what how would I describe that? But just yeah. give it a go. Maybe tomorrow, just when you're having your breakfast, whatever it is, your bagel with cream cheese, think about just the flavors there and try and describe them. And, and your that's the best catalog. part of it. The, you build your catalog as you eat. Once you start thinking about it and once you tell yourself that you are going to start exploring whatever you eat uh, and, and, and keeping record of what you're tasting, once you think about it like that, your brain will do the rest. Like once you think about it before you eat something, your brain will catalog it for you and you'll be like, okay, that's what sugar, that's what brown sugar, that's what white sugar, that is what vanilla, that is what cinnamon, that is what all of the things. Uh, uh, American whiskey maker told me that when she uh, bakes, she yeah. will take a dab of whatever flour, uh, baking, uh, cornstarch, whatever she's using, and she'll just take a little tap of it because that then chronicles that flavor in her Rolodex. And you never know when it's going to come back up. Yeah. And look, how often do you just shove something in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, yeah, 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 you're yeah. just doing it to, to, to eat as Ooh. opposed to enjoying it, Enjoy savoring it. it. Savor. And, you yep. Know. A thousand percent. Yeah. So, okay. We've been on a freaking roller coaster here, man. Where. Well, where I have to assume that this last one's going to just be rock and roll. So you've been to Ireland, you've been to France, you've been, we've talked about the US. It's the world you know, tour. World tour. Now we're going <laughs> down to uh, a little bit of Galician oak that's been made into barrels in Andalusia in the south of Spain um, in a place called Jerez de la Frontera. And they are Spanish oak barrels, 500 liter Spanish oak barrels that are normally seasoned with Oloroso sherry made by the same cooperage we've been dealing with for for four generations same the Pais Lovato cooperage in Jerez de la Frontera and they make barrels um that because we've been working together so long they call them Irish distillers barrels because they're you know there's little adjustments that we've made over those four decades five decades where you know the bung is off center because that was the weakest point in the barrel. We said, oh, we're getting a bit of leakage there after, you know, 20 years, there might be a little bit of leakage. So they moved the bung off center, it's a little bit off the bulge, and they have a square chamfer in the head, you know, because you have two points of contact then. Again, there's a much less reduction in leakage. And there are these big 500 liter um, butts that are normally seasoned with cherry, but this is virgin Spanish oak. So mm. it has just been toasted inside. So they light a fire with kindling in the middle and then they control that fire by just pouring water around the edge of the barrel as they're as they're making it. So 
then the barrels are are basically shipped to our distillery in Middleton, and these new Spanish oak barrels are then filled with eight eight year old grain whiskey that's aged in first fill bourbon barrels. So grain whiskey, which is made from corn, it's approximately ninety six percent corn and four percent barley, and they're made in continuous distillation, and then. It produces a very light floral spirit. And when aged in American oak, you get this lovely kind of candied vanilla floral, you know, light whiskey. But this is far from light. Am, am I right in saying that to you? Like the, the nose, I'm sitting here trying to dissect this nose. As you're walking me through how it gets made, the toasted, I get that immediately. The corn, I get the sweetness from that. What is the heavy that I'm smelling here? I can't put my finger on it. So people, when you get a Spanish oak uh, barrel, it is full of tannin. It's full of vanillin. So almost three times the level from a bourbon okay, barrel. Okay, okay. So three times, but it's quite bitter. But there's also more wood sugar in here as well. So the bitter tannin is balanced out by by all of those wood sugars and loads of vanillin as well. So loads of vanilla. But again, the bitter tannin that you don't get in as much in the American oak barrel right. is kind of dumbing down that vanilla but they actually all work together it's like a there's the floral note from the you know you get the floral note from the the uh the grain whiskey but then it's kind of blended in with all the sweetness and pepper and you've got like black pepper you've got you know it's all day like, long you know element you know in elementary school when you were when you were uh sharpening or paring your pencil mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it has that that amazing kind of familiar fresh note wood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fresh yeah. wood. Like a fresh yeah. cut wood. Absolutely. And that's the part I'm trying to dissect right now because I'm getting all of these light floral notes followed by a very heavy smell. Like 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 yeah. the smell is heavier than the notes from the smell. Like it's a thick it, that makes no sense. It's a thick smell with a light with a light I don't it, it's it's it, it, God bless. It's a big smell. You're right. It's a big, big aroma. smell. That's the better way to say out, it coming out of the whiskey. You know, there's you know, there's a, a lovely, light, delicate style of whiskey there. But then it's getting this huge, big Spanish wood influence. It's really Completely. it's unique again. Like who ages whiskey in virgin Spanish oak barrels? Nobody. It's so, beautiful, though. You yeah, can't stop it nosing it. Yeah. It's really flavoursome um, and again, really unique. But because it's wood, you know, it's familiar. You know what wood smells like. But, and it's right. oak as well. Um, but it's not like American oak. And, you know, you may have a, bourbon is obviously Asian, virgin, new American oak. But mm-hmm. normally in Europe, it's a recycling of fortified wine casks or recycling of wine casks as opposed to, you know, purposefully going and getting the transportation cask uh, before it had been, you know, used to transport the sherry or the wine to 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 Ireland. So it was kind of we kind of short circuited it a little bit. And that was the madness, I suppose, behind this one. And again, 92 proof, <laughs> natural color um, and at first, like they were like, why don't we try it? Like we we buy all these Spanish oak barrels, but rather than getting them seasoned with Oloroso sherry, let's get them like just brand new and get them shipped to us. And we'll fill them up with, with grain whiskey and see what happens. Do it the way you want to. The, the perfect example of method and madness. 
and it's I think it works because the whiskey is so light and delicate. It's like it's almost a huge contrast of going totally the opposite way with a massive impact from wood. Not just a subtle kind of balance like the malt and the malt with the limousan oak. That uh-huh, you know, that uh-huh. little oh, we're having a nice you know marriage. Let's softly go together. This is like bam. <laughs> it's a well, real that, big impact from the Spanish oak. That's what I'm waiting for. Like like I know. Just from what went into it, I've got an expectation of what I'm going to taste. But this is the first one of the four that, while I'm nosing it, almost uh, uh, your Calibation. your mouth feel yeah. starts ex- like y- it, it triggers parts of your mouth to to ex- like you know something is about to happen. Well, let's go. Let's jump in. Let's go. Cheers, Slauncher. Cheers. Oh, it's it's so different, isn't it? Like it's tannin and like or um orange zest. Uh, there's with a beautiful wood, partnership like, with the wood. Yeah, like you definitely get you get citrus, new wood. citrus and new wood. Those are the best ways. Uh, what's the third? There's citrus. There's new wood. There's sweetness there as well, like um, toffee. Subtle toffee in the background. Toffee is what I was missing because there is that. But you expect wood spices that are going to be really, they're actually quite elegant. The wood spices at the back, they're quite soft. Very Maybe light. Maybe because the impact on them. Yeah. Very light and fit. But they're the star again, of the show. That wood is the is, star of the show. And you can imagine this neat no problem over rocks with a twist of orange or in an old-fashioned you know this could be great in an old-fashioned and it's i think it's 49 dollars a bottle which is just that's incredible value you know you know it's really good value and i think i think because of the price point it's always popular because you know they go up in price depending and you know people ask why do they go up in price and the reason being is because these barrels were not as expensive as the chestnut barrels right, and the limousine right. barrels were really expensive. So it's really, that's what reflects the price in in the uh, three members of the core range of method amounts is the cost of the finishing barrels. People don't always understand that, that if there was less cost incurred to you, every bottle would cost less. There's, there's a formula that goes into the price point of profit. Exactly. And, exactly, and yeah. the reason most bottles are expensive now, there's some places that they'll just mark it up because they think they can sell it. But the majority of companies will put the price point based off of what goes into it. So you should take that as the higher the price, the more that has gone, like the more effort that has gone into it. And for a proper price point, like a, a, this one right here, there's just they've used what they had to make something good. And that they're yeah. relaying that kind of cost saving onto you. The consumer. Yeah, we have grain whiskey. We have grain whiskey there, but we usually it's used, for example, in something like Jemison. Mm-hmm. It's like somewhere between four and six years of age, you know. So this is older again. This is eight years of age. So we kept this a little bit longer, and then we put it into, and because we we're buying these Spanish oak barrels, like thousands of them every year, nearly three thousand of these Spanish oak barrels every year. We said, give us, hey, give us ten of them that aren't seasoned with Oloroso sherry, 
you know, and uh, it, we have to pay for the seasoning of the barrels. So, you know, it does reflect the price in it. The Limousin oak barrels, that's really expensive oak. Yeah, you that's know, like it's, one of the most expensive barrels. It's really expensive. And, you know, we have... We actually have another, the crazy thing about the Method of Madness range is they have really expensive whiskey as well in the range. And we actually have a, a Mizanara aged 33-year-old single pot. So it spends 30 years in, you know, ex-bourbon and then it goes into um, three years into Mizanara. Those casks, those Mizanara Japanese casks, they cost a fortune. A fortune, yeah. They cost as much as a car. Like they're insane, you know, so... You have to use those resources very, like like you have to know what you're doing with them, or or it's just throwing money away. So that's why we put a really expensive old whiskey into it, and I think there's there's a there was twelve bottles shipped to the US in in um in the middle of February, um and there, if you see one out there, it's probably somewhere in the region of I think it's I think off the top of my head I think it's about. $3,000 a bottle, I think, or something like that. So it's, it's quite a significant cost, but it's it's pretty amazing stuff now, I have to say. Better ingredients. I mean, not better, but you know what I mean? Like when you get those ingredients, it it's not 3000 because it's just subjectively picked at 3000 It's 3000 no. because what goes into it makes it 3000 Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful... Uh, it's a beautiful whiskey, but it is available. But that's what I mean with the Method Madness range. It goes from, it doesn't fit the normal uh, pricing model that you get, you right. know, like 12 and then 15 year old and 21. This is like $49 up to, you know, $3,000. Like it's it's amazing. Um, and it's based on, as you said, the rareness of the barrels, the age of the whiskey. All that what sort goes of stuff, into it? Know? how hard it was to get all of the factors not for nothing you guys are kind of giving this one away this is a 70 dollar bottle 75 dollar bottle that you're giving away at 50 dollars i mean that's a that's a good freaking price point it's i think it's again if you were to pick one up in the range just purely based on price i don't think you'd be disappointed by this because it is really no. different but again it's it's familiar but it won't break the bank basically well, on you it's the best kind of different because it's tying a bunch of things that you already like together. If that makes sense. Like, like yeah. you're not everything that goes into it. You're going to be able to pick out the notes that you like. And then the beauty is that surprise at the end of it, where it all comes together. But the whole method of madness range, I think is kind of almost like a, a window into Irish whiskey because you have all the different styles you have, you know, they're great great quality really interesting and you know if there's if you like single pot still well then drink the chestnut but if you like bourbon you might drink the chestnut too right if you right. like you know malt whiskeys the single malt is great value for a nearly 15 year old single malt i think it's pretty good price point too you know uh it, it's not fair to ask which one's your favorite because i think all of them <clears throat> sit in different parts of whatever mood you're in Yes, but I can completely see where each of these four would fit into a part of whatever you're trying to do. Like if you're trying to pair something with a meal, I would go this way. Yes. If you were trying to have a little funk, I would try this way. Like if you're looking for something new, like 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 I, I know exactly what each one of these I would use for which scenario. So you've you've run the gambit, man. You you've hit a home run with what you're producing. And and 
I'm not going to lie. I did not know. I knew the background of the company. I knew what you produced. So I trusted what we were going to do here today. But I had no idea walking into this that it was going to be as freaking good as it's been. Oh, that's that's a massive compliment. Thank you so much. And I mean, it's it's just such a pleasure being able to tell the story of you know of the of the range, but also tell the story of Irish whiskey to you today. Like it it's it's a really it's what I thrive on. It's what I live for. Is literally uh, spreading the good word that is Irish whiskey, particularly on Irish Whiskey Day. You know, so completely. Well, uh, for this to have been. Irish Whiskey Day, you have knocked it out of the park, my friend. I very much look forward to sharing a pour with you in person in the future. And to anyone that is listening, you see Method and Madness. I I don't really care which one you see because you're going to get something good out of the bottle. If you see it in the States, pick it up in the States. Is there somewhere online that they can can find it if they can't find it in their region? Yeah, well, I'm... No, there's a website called Reserve Bar. Reserve um, Bar, that's yep, yeah, yep. That's a pretty good one. And then obviously Drizzly is also a you know decent site if you're depending on where you're living. And I know there's restrictions on where it's delivered, but it is pretty. It has pretty good distribution. Um, Perfect in the US. So I would hope yeah yeah Reserve Bar maybe might be a good start to have a look in the US. Perfect. Well, Gerard Patrick Garland. It has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, you got me excited today, buddy. It, it's It's been a while since I tasted something that I've not had, and I, I got to experience that. So thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I hope you'll come back and see me again. And then when I'm in Ireland, I'll come see you because this has been absolutely a phenomenal conversation. Oh, that's a given and I'd, I'd love to come back anytime and when you're coming to Ireland you let me know we'll roll out the, the red carpet you'll have a great time here oh I can't wait uh, thank you very much sir I appreciate the time today my pleasure cheers Slauncha. cheers There you have it, everybody. That is this week's episode. I want to thank Gerard Patrick Garland from Method and Madness for coming on to the program. What a fun episode. I I know I probably shouldn't say that, but I had a blast. I had a good time drinking Irish whiskey, learning more about what goes into each barrel. It was fun, man. And when you're talking to somebody that knows as much about the brand as he does, it, it, it just comes easy. You know what I mean? Like we're going through each bottle. I'm obviously getting more and more like into the interview as each bottle gets opened and drank haha <laughs> obviously but not because of the whiskey i know that's going to sound weird but it wasn't the drinking that was actually getting me going during that episode it was that newness i love it when you get to try something you've not had before and i love it when you find flavor notes or you nose it and find something in the glass that you've not had previously so uh if if i geeked out too hard i'm never going to apologize for that because that's just me when i have something i like so thank you guys for listening thank you gerard for coming on the show i think a very successful irish whiskey day so i wish all of you a happy saint patty's day go out have fun 
be safe. The best part about the world we live in right now is you have Uber, you have Lyft. There's no reason for you to drink and drive. You can do whatever you want. Just be safe when you do it. Have a good St. Patty's Day. My name's Jesse Jones. I ask that you go hit like and subscribe on all the things. Come back next week. We've got Chicken Cock coming up. We've got Heaven Hill coming up. We've got a lot of surprises down the road. It's going to be a phenomenal season six. It's already been a phenomenal season six. Look at the names we've had in the past few weeks. I can't believe the good fortune of this show to have so many good whiskey people on the program. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for coming back each week. My name's Jesse Jones. We're all a little Irish today, so crack that Irish whiskey open and let the good times roll. I'm going to be as cliche as I can be in that because I don't care. It's St. Patty's Day. We're going to be drinking. We're going to be having fun. My name's Jesse Jones. I'll see you guys on down the road. Let's raise a glass and kick some ass. I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.